Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you're in the market for a shooting machine, look no further than Dr. Dish Basketball's incredible lineup of shooting machines. Their CT, All-Star Plus, and Rebel Plus models have been bought by thousands of programs around the world, while their home model is being used by players all over the country, right in their own backyards and driveways. New to the lineup this year is the Dr. Dish facility model for those with basketball training businesses. These machines are must-have for those looking to take their shooting to the next level. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. It's great to have with us today, longtime coach at Division Three North Carolina Wesleyan, John Thompson. Coach, great to have you on the show. Coach, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be with you today. The coach has been there at North Carolina Wesleyan for over 25 years, has over 400 wins, numerous awards there in the USA South, and uh, he's also done some coaching with USA Basketball as well. Just a great teacher of the game, and uh, that's what I wanted to talk to him about today. I'll start with this. At what point did you go from viewing yourself as someone who coached a sport to someone who taught a specific subject matter? Yeah, I, I think very early on, interestingly, when I was uh, probably 13 or 14 years old, I had gone to basketball camp and my dad picked me up and he had to take me back to work. Uh, and I, I was talking with one of his co-workers who was asking me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I listed among a variety of things, uh, a guidance counselor, a social worker, and a coach. And uh, I didn't understand that when you got into coaching, you were really kind of doing all of those things and more. So it, I do think that while we teach the subject matter of basketball, we teach on a much broader scale and uh, life lessons, hopefully a little bit about uh, how to become a professional at whatever you choose to do uh, beyond college. Um, so I, I think I took that to heart fairly early on in my career. Anybody who teaches knows that you can stand in front of somebody and give them knowledge, but the learning really occurs when they understand it and they're able to apply that knowledge. What does the learning process look for as you all communicate the information that you want to give to them in regards to style of play or even like the culture of your program? And then what does it look like for them to execute that? Right. Um, well, I think one of the things um, I had the great benefit of a number of really good mentors uh, as I came up through the ranks and, and continue today. I have guys that I rely on and speak to frequently. And uh, one of those coaches, uh, the late John Chaney, who I worked with at his basketball camp in the summer uh, for a number of years, he taught me early on, I like I started working with him really probably after my first year in coaching. So that next summer and then for, you know, 10 successive summers or whatever it was. And uh, he taught me this explanation demonstration, execution, correction, repeat. 
And, and so that's kind of what we've used for a long time. And so, again, whatever facet of the game it is or our program, our culture, whatever, uh, we start with an explanation of what it is that we want. Um, then we try to demonstrate what it is we want. So whether that's the proper way to set a screen or whether it's uh, demonstrating in our daily lives what we want our culture to be about, uh, we try to demonstrate those things. And we expect them to execute it. And when uh, necessary, we make correction. Uh, you should have had a better angle here. Uh, you know, we want you to, you know, come off the screen this way, not that way, whatever. Um, so we correct. And, it, and sometimes correction is not necessary. Sometimes it's we can be complimentary. You know, hey, that's exactly what we want. So, you know, we follow their execution with whatever is necessary. Um, and then we keep doing that. And I think the, the correction or the uh, compliment uh, can also come in the form of watching video. You know, hey, we talked about this in practice last week. Look at what you did here. Uh, this has got to be better. Or, hey, this is perfect. Like, this is the way we want to do it every time. But that uh, constant feedback. And then, it, you know, we're seeking perfection, knowing that we're never going to get perfection, but as close as we can to that. So we're constantly coaching like that never stops. Um, you know, we're constantly talking on the sidelines, uh, whether it's in practice or games. And so it may be talking to the player who's on the floor executing, or it may be I'm standing beside a guy who needs a little extra reinforcement on what we're working on. And uh, another thing I picked up from a, a really good mentor of mine, Jerry Wainwright, longtime coach uh, with a number of stops. But, you know, he said, if you've got a guy who is uh, either struggles generally, maybe to pick up concepts, or uh, if uh, he's struggling to pick up something you're working on at that particular time, either make him the first guy in line so you can be hands-on with him okay guys we're going to teach this here's what we want you're going to get a hand up uh thumb down to the floor whatever you're going to uh angle your body in this way and, and so you're moving him and demonstrating with him or make him the last guy in the line so he's able to see everybody go through it before he comes up i thought that was a great example of how to teach somebody who maybe was struggling a little bit i mentioned you know over 25 years i believe this is 28 there at north Correct. carolina Wesleyan. do you feel like you have down how you want to go about teaching and structuring that learning process or does it change year to year with the group that you have and obviously you know having older players younger players you can kind of start stop pick up whatever at different points in the year but just the way that you like roll things out in that learning process to help them learn what you all are doing specifically there with your systems i think it's you know it's just vital that we learn what kind of learners we have so we can give some guys something written on a piece of paper and it, it just in text form as to what we want. We could give another guy a diagram of what we're going to do. Uh, we could show another guy film and we could have to take another guy out on the floor and walk him through it. And 
each of those guys might really uh, absorb that particular material. But if we moved it all around and gave them something different, they might not be as uh, receptive to it or learn it as effectively and efficiently. So I think us understanding who we're working with, the, the individuals that we're working with, and how do they learn best? Now, in some ways, they're going to have to learn with all of those various uh, types of teaching. But how do they learn best? And it's really up to us to uh, assist them and help them learn the best way that they can uh, for, for our team to be as effective as it can be. As far as do I have it down, Pat? Uh, absolutely not. Um, I think we have a good idea of how we want to play, what we want to teach, and generally speaking, how we teach it. And I think there are some things that we've established, but, but you're always adjusting. And whether you're adjusting based on style of play uh, or adjusting based on, again, as you mentioned, the age of your team or the types of learners that you have, or just that you've learned something new. Maybe, you know, I sat with you uh, and we, we were talking about shell drill and you said, well, you know, hey coach, we, we do this. And like, it's just a very subtle twist to something that we've been doing for 28 years here at Wesleyan and for nine years prior to that, when I was an assistant coach, always have done the shell drill, but maybe it's just one little tweak, one little twist, a little nuance that, wow, you know, like we could, we could implement that and it might make our teaching better. Uh, so I think you're always, you need, I think, to be an effective teacher. And this gets back to maybe your initial question, no matter what your subject matter is, I think to be a really effective teacher, you have to be a lifelong learner just there's so much out there and I, I don't I don't think I'll ever corner the market on teaching exactly uh, in a perfect setting or whatever I'll go off script just for a second is there anything major that you have changed in your thinking or in the way that you've taught something in particular over that time um, well this has been years ago but uh, the first thing that popped in my mind was how we taught and teach today post-defense. Uh, when I first started coaching, when the ball got to the corner, we actually three-quarter fronted from the low side. And, and again, this at least 20 years and maybe more. Uh, we like So I'll back up. With the ball above 15 feet, above free throw line extended, we were three-quarter front on the high side, and we still are today. As the ball moved lower on the floor, we got to full front. And then when the ball got to the corner, we were three quarters on the low side. And again, it was, it's probably been around 2000. I can't give you the year, but around that time, uh, we made the change to where we just got to full front and we never went on the low side. Uh, so that's an example of something that we changed in terms of technique. I will say just in terms of the volume of my coaching uh, and the, I don't think it's not a matter of intensity, but I think 
the mode of communication has changed over the years for sure. Your players get worn out and you get worn out with that high intensity over the course of six months. Yeah. And, and especially the players. I mean, you know, like that's why I always find it interesting to talk to guys about, um, you know, those who are doing preseason workouts or in division one, they've got them all summer long, you know, who's coaching, who's talking, who's doing what. And because I do think that there's a point at which your voice can become uh, less effective. Mm -hmm. And we want to try to find ways to maximize its effectiveness. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you can get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal shooting percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Combined with HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. I have to ask about the low side three quarters because I'm pretty sure that there's still a large majority who are teaching that. Why did you go away from that? I was sitting in on uh, an NBA training camp in that time. And that's what this particular team was doing. And when I talked with the coaching staff about it, they felt, and, and I too became a believer that you could effectively defend the corner entry to the post with a full front where if you played on the low side uh, and, and we teach very significantly uh, hook bounce post entries and that you know if there was a breakdown in help side or based on dribble penetration whatever that you know playing on the low side you could be more exposed to a, a pass to the middle of lane where if you're on the high side when the ball's up high you've got the baseline there uh, it, it's a different, you know, again, I'll refer back to coach Cheney. He was big on the geometry of the court and the geometry is different. If you're playing on the high side and the ball's above 15, than it is if the ball's in the corner and you're below, you know, you're on the low side. And so I, I think it requires less work, not less effort, but just less work on the part of the post defender. Uh, it simplifies his job and I think enables us to, uh, again, be equally, if not more effective, guarding the post. I have found that you quickly get pinned down there on the baseline with a quick skip to the top of the key, and then now you're fighting underneath to get back to the right spot, and right. we're trying to avoid that anyway. So, yeah, that's really good. Uh, let me go back to the learning process here. So what happens when you realize this group or this player just doesn't get it? Yeah, I think a, a few things. Uh, first of all, 
we have to evaluate us. Like, are we being effective, uh, as effective as we can be in our instruction? So I think that's number one. Uh, number two, we maybe, you know, put in some sort of, I don't want to use the word remedial, but we, we do extra work. We bring, whether it's an individual, a small group, maybe it's, you know, you've got a group of freshmen who are just a little behind, or if it's a couple of guys and it's, it's more team oriented, uh, you may bring in five guys early pre-practice or afterwards in post-practice or even, you know, at 7 a.m. before class for a, a quick on the floor or video session, whatever. So I think extra work um, is, you know, there's a reason why, uh, you know, in school, if, if you're not picking up on the math that you're currently involved in, well, it's repetition, 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 right? And, and so that's important. And then you may have to evaluate is what we are doing right for this group? We may think it's right, but maybe we realize uh, we, we need to make some adjustments to what we are doing. Mm -hmm. So if, uh, if we feel like our teaching is effective, as effective, again, as it can be, uh, and if the extra work doesn't seem to kind of fast track these guys to get up to speed to where they need to be, to be competitive every day in practice, uh, then maybe it's a matter of we've got to make adjustments uh, to what we do. Um, so whether that's, you know, again, if it's a specific skill or footwork, um, sorry about that. Uh, if it's a skill or, or something specific to an individual, really repetition is probably where we're going to be because we're not going to be real forgiving on certain things that we do or expect in terms of passing, catching, how we play, uh, what we expect of them in terms of defensive positioning or whatever. But uh, in terms of strategy or our sets or whatever, like we may have to adjust that to meet our team, our personnel. Anytime I ask that question, I think that most people are thinking like, well, I need to do something to help the players because they're just not getting it. But it does take a level of humility and also self-awareness that somebody who has your experience and like maybe I didn't teach it well or maybe it just doesn't fit for like this group. Can you remember something like that that you guys did and maybe it was something new or something that had worked previously and then you tried it with a particular team and like it just didn't work and so you scrapped it and it actually proved that that was the problem. Like this just didn't work with this group. Yeah. I don't have to go back very far coach. Uh, last season, we really were convinced that with the group that we had, um, that we could be really good in ball screen situations offensively. Um, we, we just really thought that these guys were, and it didn't pan out that way in our first five games we were really bad using the ball screen. I mean, really bad and very ineffective uh, as a team. So much so uh, that, that we scrapped it altogether. We took the ball screen completely out of our offense 
I've always been a believer and remain a believer that uh, ball movement and player movement is vital. Uh, I'm big on ball reversal. We've studied uh, a couple of years worth of our stuff. And I can tell you that one the first side shots, I'm talking about five on five, and I'm, I'm veering off course, but I will get back to the ball screen in just a second. But first side shots in a five on five situation, not a fast break, uh, not a transition, num you know, numbered break situation, but five on five first side for about three years worth of information, we've shot under 30%. We get to the second side, it gets up above 40 and third, fourth. And if we get anything beyond that, it's 50% and above. And not only does our shooting percentage go up, we turn it over less, we offensive rebound better, we get to the free throw line more. So I'm big on ball movement and player movement, always have been and will continue to be that. But what happened last year, when we took the ball screen out, we immediately got better. Uh, our offensive our execution was better and our efficiency was significantly better. And probably around mid-February, uh, early February, mid-February, we brought it back in small doses and we were such a better team moving the ball and moving bodies and reversing the floor uh, that our ball screens became better. And, and we were able to effectively utilize it late in the year. So uh, that's that's a recent example. Yeah, that's cool. And cool to see how it is connect was connected to a different area of the game. I think a lot of times we make decisions in isolation. And if this doesn't work, then we scrap it, but it could be connected to other parts of the game. And that's right. a cool example of that. Uh, you know, we're starting out a, a new season here getting close to starting a new season. I find this especially with my new players, but really all of them can can struggle with this from time to time and do to different degrees. But how do you get a player to understand that, that failure in the short term can be something that's helpful to them in the long run? Yeah, this is a great question, Tony, and, and one that I think probably every coach has to deal with. Uh, if not annually, certainly – at some point you're going to deal with it, but I feel like we deal with it uh, probably annually here. And I think there are a variety of ways. Again, it gets back to knowing your team, knowing the individuals and, and understanding how to uh, coach them uh, as a person, not just a member of a group. But I think there are a variety of ways. I think uh, storytelling for me has been really effective. Uh, utilizing former players as examples, you know, and and we've got, I have the advantage of being here a long time. So I've got, you know, a history with a lot of guys. And some of those guys will actually be players that our current players have met uh, because those guys will come back, whether it's to see a game or come back for homecoming or come watch a practice. You know, I've had former players bring their kids to our summer camp. Now I've got, uh, you know, I actually have a former player who has a son that we're beginning to recruit. So, you know, I've got a lot of guys who are around our program and 
being able to share their names and their stories and some of their failures. Uh, and then our guys can see the results. So that that's an easy way for me. And, and I think it's proven to be really effective. Uh, but I think using NBA guys, um, using video, there's all kinds of stuff available on YouTube and, and, you know, on podcasts that you can, you know, get snippets of and uh, just share, uh, you know, like the, the path is not golden and it's not, it's not always just a step up, a step up, a step up, a step up. Um, you know, sometimes you've got to step back down to, to move forward. Uh, so I think that finding examples, whether they're in your own program, uh, whether they're uh, somebody who's currently or formerly in the league, but trying to show them that they're not alone, they're not unique, you know, that failure is part of the process and that it's an opportunity to learn and grow and get better. Uh, but that, Again, I think it requires that relationship where you know that player and he trusts you and you can teach in such a way that it's not offensive. And, you know, but again, knowing that guy allows me to either turn up my volume and maybe challenge him in some ways that he needs to be challenged or if that's not what a particular guy needs, I can turn my volume down and do a little more, you know, putting my arm around him, so to speak, and uh, trying to give him the right encouragement. So I think it, it you know, the, the, the knowledge of your player and your relationship with the player is vital in, I think, that process and probably all processes. Last thing I want to ask you, what, and it can be in relationship to this aspect of being a teacher or not, but what's the best piece of advice, coaching advice that you've ever been given? Yeah, I, I think it was be yourself. You know, I mentioned earlier, I've got a number of role models. I could probably tick off, you know, seven or eight that I really feel like are guys that I have relied on and who have been great sounding boards and great teachers and, and mentors for me, but I can't be any one of those guys. Um, if I try to, you know, walk like, talk like, coach like someone else, um, I don't think it's going to be a very effective mode of communication, a mode of teaching. Uh, and I also think that it's, it's it, when it's not, and this is a word that a lot of folks use now, authentic, uh, I think that players see through that and don't feel like you're being real with them. And again, that affects your relationship. So when you try to have real, authentic communication with them, you're trying to help them get better, uh, they may not feel that they can trust you on that same level uh, that, that you need to have. That's Coach John Thompson of North Carolina Wesleyan. Coach, a lot of great stuff. Thanks so much for making time for us this morning. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Good luck to you guys. <laughs>